Before we start today's episode, I wish to acknowledge that this podcast has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. I pay my deepest respect to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. I acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region, and consider myself incredibly lucky to live, work, and raise a family on Ghana land. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Truth About Aging podcast. If this is your first time around here, welcome and thank you for tuning in. My name is Kate. I am the host of the podcast. I'm a social gerontologist, so I am a done background in social work and a master of gerontology. I've been working in the aged care space for, well, this is my 13th year now. So in a range of different settings, I'm just really passionate about getting information out to people about what services they can access, how they can access them, when to access them, and just having a better conversations about aging. It's happening to all of us as we speak. I think it has previously sometimes been a bit of a taboo topic or something that people don't show interest in until they get there or until they're in a crisis. And so the aim of this podcast is to educate people and to share experiences and knowledge and stories so that when we get to that space for ourselves or for our loved ones, that we're able to navigate that a little more easily and hopefully with a little less stress. Now, I hope that you all had a beautiful Christmas, New Year's, summer break period, whatever it was for you, even if you were working through it or maybe not able to get and see family like you hope to. I hope there were some beautiful moments throughout that. For us personally, it was a whirlwind time, but so, so beautiful and many special memories made, particularly being the first Christmas for my daughter. Uh, Christmas was back to back. We have both quite large families and lots of people to see across that Christmas period and then flew out to Vietnam on the 29th. So it was our first overseas holiday as a family and we were very lucky to be traveling with my family as well. So there were 12 of us all together heading over to Vietnam. Cece took the flights like an absolute trooper. She was amazing, but it definitely took a few days to work out that really you're just parenting in a different country because the baby still got a nap. She's got to eat. You got to carry nappies and wipes and toys and snacks that on you at all times. It just, it took me a little while to get my head around the fact that we wouldn't be having sleep-ins and lazy afternoons by the pool and going out and exploring for hours on end. So it was a different kind of holiday, but once we got our heads around that, it was a really, really beautiful time for us. So before the break, the last episode that I recorded, episode 56, was around what to observe about loved ones over that Christmas festive period. 
And this was around if you have loved ones that maybe are aging, you might be getting a little bit worried about. I really stopped to unpack what specific things you should be looking out for around things like their mobility, their hygiene, their cognitive ability, their social interactions, all of those kind of things. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it could be worth going back to listen to episode 56, where I really step all of that out. But what I wanted to do in today's episode is go through the next steps from there. So let's say you did your observation, you spent some time watching them over that period, and you've come out of that with a few concerns. And now you want to know what's next. So today's episode is unpacking what the possible next steps are. Okay, so we're going to run through two hypothetical scenarios. Option A is that they are currently receiving no help, and option B will be that they already have some help, some formal supports. So starting off in scenario A, your loved one doesn't currently have any help at home. They're living independently. They don't access any government-funded services. Step one, and this will be the same in both, Step one is to have a conversation. Now, I can't reinforce the importance of this enough in how this conversation is delivered. And I encourage you to spend a little bit of time before having it to really stop and think about how you want to deliver it and what messages you want to get across. Because trust me when I say, if you sit down with your loved one and say, right, I've watched you over Christmas. I can see that you're struggling to get out of chairs. Your beard's unkept. You have not been doing your shopping regularly. You're not eating well. You've put on weight and I think you need some help. It's probably not going to be received very well. So it's very important that we ourselves pause and reflect on what we've observed and how we want to frame that when discussing that with our loved one. So for example, I find it far more positive to sit down and start by opening with, how do you feel you're going at the moment? How do you feel your health has maybe changed over the last 12 months? And what we want to do when we do start sharing these examples is one, be very gentle, but two, do so in a way that is as objective as possible. So instead of sitting there and saying, I think you struggle getting out of a chair, to which your loved one can easily argue, well, I don't, I'm fine. What we want to do is use the opportunity to maybe draw parallels from where they were 12 months ago. You know, I noticed last year at Christmas, you were really cruising around the place. You were able to serve out people's meals. You helped clear the table. You were really quite active on the day. Whereas it surprised me a little this year where you needed to hold on to the furniture as you were walking around and struggled to pick up the plates. Have you noticed that that's something that's changed? So using those comparisons can really help be a little bit less threatening. You're not personally attacking them on this is what you're not doing and you're struggling with this. You're just sharing observations of what's changed over time. Now, again, this is a a gentle conversation. You want to give them just as much opportunity as you can to share their perspective and how they feel they're going whilst genuinely listening to that. There's times where they might actually really be okay with something, even though it's looking like a bit of a struggle for you or me. 
A big thing to keep in mind here too is it is likely to take a number of these conversations before you get to the point of them going, okay, I'm happy to be assessed for some help. Even with my own grandma, I think it probably took us about six months of gently looking through what kind of things she might be able to use some help with, how those services could assist, what that could look like in her day-to-day life over a period of time before she went, yep, okay, I'm, I'm ready to give that a go. Because if you put yourself in their shoes, what you're really having to admit amongst that is that you're not coping on your own, that that complete and utter independence is starting to wane and there's starting to be some struggles within that. And that itself can be a massive thing to admit. It's a really huge thing to say, I'm actually getting older and I'm starting to struggle with it. So as much as you can approach these conversations with a sense of empathy and understanding and know that this conversation might take some time, it's not an immediate once-off conversation and you're done. It might need to be planting the seed the first time, then revisiting in another month's time, and then maybe another month's time. The last thing you want is to ruin your relationship with your loved one, overcoming in way too hard and fast on this is the help I think you need. So take some time to reflect on what you want to share in those conversations and how you want to do that. So step two would be to get them assessed. So again, you've had these conversations, you've planted the seeds, they've come around to the idea of, you know what, I am struggling a bit. The next thing is to have an assessment. So this is where you'll be needing to contact My Age Care. So they look after all the government funded services and can help assess what's going to be most suitable for your loved one. And they will likely have someone come out to the home and do an assessment on them to see what is suitable for them. Now that could be something like the Commonwealth Home Support Program or CHSP. It might be a home care package. Also worth noting, there are changes to these programs coming up soon, but as it currently stands, these would be the two programs you could access. If you want tips about how to access my age care, I do cover that all way back in episode three. And I should probably re-record that at some stage because it's a while, that's a while ago now. But in episode three, I go through how to contact My Age Care, what documents you'll need when you're contacting them, what you'd be requesting, how to request that. All of that's covered in that episode. So if that's the step you're up to, listen on there and that will step you through what you need to get your loved one assessed. Now, step three, after they've been assessed, if they've been approved for government funded services, is getting those services up and running. And that's going to look different whether you have a Commonwealth Home Support Program code, whether you've been given a home care package. There's a number of different things within that, but it would then be navigating getting those services up in place. Again, starting it small if you can, so that you can gradually implement those services, get them used to the idea of actually having someone they don't know in their home and maybe doing the gardening or changing the bed sheets or hanging out the washing, starting off small and gradually increasing those services as you go. But the first thing is getting someone in the door and getting that service up and running. All right. So that is scenario A. They don't have any help. You're going to start off with a convo. You're going to get them assessed and then you're going to get services in the door. That's scenario A. Scenario B. 
they already have some help at home. So they might already have a home care package. They might currently be receiving some Commonwealth Home Support Program assistance. They are already in some capacity receiving help at home. Now, step one is exactly the same. We're having a conversation. So again, we want to be gentle. We want to be non-confrontational. We want to give them space to share what they're thinking, what they're feeling, how they feel they're aging. But we want to start with a conversation about what's working well and what some of those challenges might be. Step two is going to look different depending on exactly where they're at. So step two has two options. Option A is to be reassessed. Option B is to increase services. So this will depend on what they're accessing and what they have available. Let's say they're currently just having Commonwealth Home Support Program assistance. You may want to get them reassessed so that they can be assessed for a home care package if they haven't been already, because it's worth getting them set up with a home care package, which can provide more comprehensive support. Keeping in mind, Commonwealth Home Support Program is just entry level. So you might need to get them reassessed for that more comprehensive support of a home care package. They might already have a home care package, but maybe they only have a level one or two and you find they're needing more support and they're already utilizing all of the funding available. That maybe means for a reassessment for a higher level home care package. Keeping in mind a level one home care package, you're sitting around the like eight, nine thousand dollar mark versus a level four home care package, you're more up around $55,000 a year. So there's quite a substantial difference and everything in between. And even on that level four package, to give you a rough idea, you could potentially get twice daily pop in services. You might be able to get once daily, like an hour service for someone to be there. It's certainly not replicating uh, what you would have in an aged care facility at home. You're not able to access multiple, multiple hours of care throughout the day, but you can have, you know, daily visits of different services with a level four home care package. So it might be getting them reassessed for a higher level of care. Or if you're lucky, (laughs) they might already say have a level three home care package, but they're not currently utilizing all of that funding. They might have a surplus of funds there, maybe five, $10,000 that they haven't needed to use yet. In which case the conversation would just be around increasing the services to use that remaining surplus that's there and utilize more of that funding that's coming in. Now, if you did need to increase services, that would be through their chosen home care package provider. You would be contacting them and saying, hey, I've had a conversation with mom or dad, or they might be having the conversation with them themselves. But I've had a conversation with them. We're looking to increase to weekly cleaning services. We're looking to add in a social support visit to take mum out shopping each week. Whatever it looks like, you'd be calling your service provider to increase those services. Now, I think it's worth noting here, what I see sometimes happen when people have taken the time to observe, they've seen their loved one for the first time in a while, and they suddenly feel like, oh my goodness, I'm really worried about them. They need some more help. Sometimes people's first reaction is they need to go into care. I need to find them somewhere to live permanently. They can't be at home anymore. And there's a few reasons why I find this way of thinking a little problematic. Firstly, there is a lot of services you can access in the community 
And most often people aren't maximizing what they can access at home before going into care. I think it's always most fair to your aging loved one if they want to remain at home to use all the options available for them in the community first before considering moving into a facility. I also find that in my experience, you're going to have a much better long-term relationship and communication with your loved one if you're able to show them along the journey, hey, I see you and I hear that you really want to remain at home for as long as possible. So I'm going to help you do that for as long as I can. And you look to increase services. You look to maybe increase family support if there's capacity for that. You increase all the ways of helping them at home first before you get to the time where you go, hey, I'm actually really worried and I think we're going to need to look at another care solution. That conversation is so much better received when your loved one knows that along that journey, you've offered them so many opportunities to increase care, to get more help, to keep them at home for as long as possible. They're far more accepting of the idea and really respect that you have tried to do everything you can to keep them at home so that when the time comes that you have to say, hey, I'm actually really worried and I think we're going to need to look at living somewhere else permanently, they're much more receptive to that conversation. So it's not just about the short-term game of let's get you more help at home. I really do find that helps when you do reach the point of now's time to look at other care options. So worth keeping that in mind, these conversations aren't just to fix the here and now. It's a long-term game. It's a long-term journey. And there might be many different things that happen along that path, but at least you're showing your loved one time and time again, I see what your wishes are. I hear you. And here's how I'm going to try uphold those for as long as possible. And when the time comes that maybe there's a line in the sand, that this is where it's no longer possible. You're far more likely to have a better response from them when they know that you've done everything you can to keep them at home. All right. So that was step two was to either get reassessed or increase services. The other options from there are really looking at that time when you have maximized the care that they can receive at home. There's nothing more that you can do in terms of family support, in terms of formal services. There's nothing more you can do within that. And there's still concerns about their safety at home. And that's where we start at looking at options in terms of respite or permanent care. Now, I often recommend respite for families as a good starting point because not only does it give your loved one an opportunity to get a feel for what the place is like, it also gives them an opportunity to see in many cases, hey, it's actually not so bad here. And it's a really non-threatening, non-committal way of going, let's just give this a go. Let's give it a try. Let's see what it's like. And if you don't like this particular facility, we can find another one. We can try out a number of different places if you want to until we find one that you're happy with. So respite can be a really fantastic way of trialing places, a bit of a try before you buy, and getting your loved one an opportunity to see what suits them best and what's going to be best for them long term. Now, there will sometimes be people that go in for respite and go, nope, that's it. I'm not doing this. I'm going home. I'm going to live at home forever. And that is undoubtedly a really tricky one to then navigate because 
Sometimes the reality for some people is that home is no longer safe for them. Home is not somewhere that they can continue to live. Home might not be able to be at that place that they associate it with any longer. Now, again, there's a few things within this. If they're of sound mind and they are adamant that they are returning home, they're not going into care and that's it, that's where they're going, there are limited things you can do to change that. At the end of the day, if they are of sound mind, and by that I mean they're not living with a cognitive deficit, like they don't have dementia, they don't have other particular mental illnesses that might impact their decision-making, you would probably know, you would most likely know if they had a diagnosed illness that impacted their decision-making. But if they are of sound mind, they're capable of making their own decisions and they say, I am staying at home, you can't make me leave there's not too much you can realistically do about that. And for some people, they might return home. And I think in those situations, what you can do is know that you have given them every best opportunity of caring for themselves and being safe. And at the end of the day, if they choose to stay at home until they potentially have a fall or potentially hurt themselves in another way, you've done everything you can to try look after them. There will often be people that go to respite, say, I'm not doing this. They go home, they have a fall, and then they end up with no other choice but to end up being there because then by that point, they're potentially not physically able to live at home. There's a number of other things that can come into it. But just to say that in some situations, some people will fiercely hang on to, I'm staying at home and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, if they do have issues with their capacity to make those decisions, This is where things like your power of attorneys, that say cat, there's a number of different things that can come into play to make those decisions for someone that is not of sound mind. And for that, I would recommend going back to episode 52. I talk with the beautiful Tamara about what happens with future planning documents when you don't have them, when you do have them, what they're for. Worth listening into that if that's the situation you find yourself in. But let's say in the situation that they go into respite, they accept themselves, hey, I actually do now need this help and this is something I'm going to need to do. Then there's the option to move to permanent care. Now, you might know from the get-go, your loved one might go, nope, this is where I want to be. I know this is where I want to go. There's a bed available. I just want to take it. Some people will go in permanently straight away. I just find respite can be a helpful way for you to get to know the place, to make sure that you're comfortable with it before you commit to moving in permanently. And that's not to say once you're permanent, you can still move to a different facility. There's just a few more moving parts to it when you've already gone permanent somewhere. All right, so that was scenario B. They're already receiving some help. We're going to number one, start off with a conversation. Number two, look to either be reassessed or increase services. Number three, look for potential respite. And number four, potentially permanent care. Now, I should say within all of these scenarios, if you're hearing this and going, right, I hear what you're saying, but this just feels too overwhelming. I don't think I can navigate this on my own. I think I would rather have someone help me with this. I will shamelessly plug my own business here. What I do for a living is aged care consulting through Navigate Aged Care, and that is helping people work through these situations. It's sitting down with you and your loved ones. It's working out a plan for here's your option A, B, C. 
this is where we might start, this might be where you go next. It's really creating a roadmap for what your options are and when you can access them. And also putting it into place. That might be look like me finding you a respite bed. It might be helping increase services with a provider. It could be finding you a home care package provider. All of these services I do through my business, Navigate Aged Care. And if you want any more details on that, you can have a look at www.navigateagedcare.com.au. I've got a list of some of my services and pricing on there. There's inquiry forms if you want to send through to get some more details. With any situation, I'll put together an individualized quote for you about what services your loved one needs and what that would look like. But it would be remiss of me not to use that opportunity to say that is where I can also help you and your loved ones if that's all feeling a bit too overwhelming. I do hope with the podcast that I can link you in with things enough that you feel competent to do it on your own. But I also really appreciate that sometimes there's just too much going on. There's not enough time or sometimes you're too emotionally connected to it that it's helpful to have an external party come in and say, these are the options and this is what you can do. So if you need me, that's where you can find me. So I think that's all in today's episode of what to do if you found your loved one does need some more help, where to access it, what you can do, and how to gently have those conversations and bring your loved ones on that journey with you. I think that's the key thing. This isn't talking down to them and saying, this is what I've seen, this is what you need. It's having that two-way conversation in how are you going? What do you think you need? Here's how I think we might be able to get some help so that ultimately you can stay at home for as long as possible. I hope you are all enjoying this beautiful weather. If you're having it as beautiful weather as we are in Adelaide at the moment, I hope you're soaking up the last of these summer days, although I'm sure it'll be around for a little longer to come. As always, you can find me on Instagram at The Truth About Aging, on Facebook at The Truth About Aging Podcast, or via my website, navigateagedcare.com.au. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, week, whatever it is, whenever you're listening to this, and I will be in your ears again soon. Bye. Bye.